welcome to Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. In John 14.6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Our goal is to encourage everyone to grow in the Christian faith by anchoring themselves to the secure truth found in the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. Respect your father and your mother, and you will live a long time in the land I am giving you. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, Contemporary English Version. Hello, welcome to Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. I'm Victoria Kay. We're so happy that you're here to join us today for another episode of Anchored by Truth as we continue our series on the Ten Commandments. In this series, we wanted to remind people that the Ten Commandments were given to us to enable us to live better lives. God is perfect in every way. God did not need the Ten Commandments to make His life better, but we do. This was true for the first people to hear the commandments 3,500 years ago, the Hebrew people, who were part of the exodus from Egypt. And it remains true for us today. To help us think through the reasons we continue to benefit from the Ten Commandments, in the studio we have R.D. Fierro. R.D. is an author and founder of Crystal Sea Books. R.D., so far in this series, we have covered the first four commandments. Today, we get the fifth commandment, which some scholars see as a transitional commandment. Why is that? Well, many commentators have divided the Ten Commandments into two groups called tables, and we've mentioned that in a couple of the episodes in this series. Now, often the way this division works, the first four commandments are considered the first table of the law, and their purpose is to help us have a better relationship with God. Then the last six commandments are called the second table, and their purpose is to help us have better relationships with other people. Well, the fifth commandment in that division is the start of the second table, and some scholars actually believe that that is how God divided the commandments when he wrote on the stone tablets that are mentioned in the books of Exodus and Deuteronomy. But of course, we have no way of knowing that for sure. For a while, the stone tablets were stored in the Ark of the Covenant. But the ark is last mentioned in Scripture in 2 Chronicles chapter 35. That reference tells us that King Josiah asked the Levites to return the ark to the temple where Solomon had originally housed it. There is no mention as to why the Levites had removed the ark in the first place, nor is there any indications as to whether or not the Levites acquiesced to King Josiah's request. King Josiah reigned in Judea from 640 to 609 BC. Well, there is a mention of the Ark of the Covenant in the book of 2 Maccabees, chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. And that reference in 2 Maccabees tells us that the prophet Jeremiah was given a divine revelation to take the tent and the Ark to, quote, the mountain which Moses climbed to seek God's inheritance. Reference to the tent, of course, is the mobile tabernacle that the Israelites had used during the Exodus period from Egypt. Well, when Jeremiah arrived at the mountain that Moses had climbed, he found a room in a cave there, and he put the tent, the tabernacle, the ark, and the altar of incense into that room in the cave, and then he blocked up the entrance. 
So according to the book of 2 Maccabees, the prophet Jeremiah secured the tabernacle from the wilderness wandering period, the Ark of the Covenant and the altar of incense in a cave which was on the same mountain that Moses had climbed. Now that mountain would likely be Mount Nebo, which is mentioned in Deuteronomy chapter 31 verses 1 through 4. Now, 2 Maccabees is, of course, part of the Apocrypha, and therefore it is not accepted as being canonical by most of the church, though there are some church traditions that do accept the Apocrypha as being canonical, but most do not. At any rate, if the reference in 2 Maccabees is accurate, well, we still have the Ark of the Covenant with stone tablets disappearing from history before the Babylonian captivity which means that the tablets disappeared over 2,500 years ago. Fortunately for us, the content of what was written on the tablets has been preserved for us in the book of Exodus and Deuteronomy. So even though we don't have the physical tablets, we know what they said. Yes, and as you mentioned, the fifth commandment is often seen as a transitional commandment since it ushers in the transition from the first table to the second table of the law. Now, the content of the fifth commandment links the content of the two tables. The first table is focused on God, but it ends with a commandment that is centered around how we human beings are to structure our weeks. Six days of the week are for work. One day is for rest and worship. The fifth commandment is focused on the first institution that was created by God for man's benefit, which was the family. So the fifth commandment is the beginning of all of the authority structures for man. God, of course, is the ultimate authority. In the Garden of Eden, God delegated authority to care for the garden and the animals to man. God made man his steward over creation. Now in the fifth commandment, God expressly delegates the authority over the family to the father and mother. Now, we might want to note that this authority structure has been in place since creation. The authority structure did not begin when the Ten Commandments were given. But when God said to respect your father and mother, he was reiterating the validity and importance of the familial authority structure. He was also ensuring that the Hebrews understood that the principle that children must respect their parents isn't just for the benefit of the parents. It has benefits for the children as well. The fifth commandment is often referred to as the first commandment with, quote, promise. God says that there will be a specific benefit attached to obedience of the fifth commandment. In our opening scripture, which came from the contemporary English version of the Bible, the commandment was phrased, quote, Respect your father and your mother, and you will live a long time in the land I am giving you. The New King James Version puts the fifth commandment this way, quote, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you, unquote. In other words, the Lord is tying respect or honor for fathers and mothers to longevity. But scholars are not in agreement about whether the longevity in view is for the individuals or whether it's more of a promise to the nation that if Hebrew children will obey their parents, the nation will survive for a long time in the land to which they are journeying. And there's probably a bit of both ideas in view. Commentators sometimes remind us that ideas such as the one contained in the fifth commandment are principles, not promises. 
In other words, God isn't providing a guarantee that just because a child is obedient to their parents, that that child will live a long life. We know from our own life experiences that even obedient kids can die far too young from accidents, disease, or other misfortune. But it is also very true that if a wise parent gives their children cogent advice and the child follows that advice, the child is far more likely to avoid an untimely end. But we also don't want to overly secularize the intent of the promise in the fifth commandment. James chapter 1 verse 17 tells us that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of light. God can and does intercede in the lives of his children, and while it is not an absolute guarantee, as a general rule, God will entrust more blessings to those of his children who have demonstrated they can handle them. There's an old saying that, quote, most men can handle poverty, but there are precious few who can survive prosperity, unquote. God is not a distant or disinterested father. We can't be absolutely sure why he does anything, as Isaiah chapter 55 verse 9 tells us, quote, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts, unquote. But generally, God blesses his obedient children. We shouldn't dismiss the idea that God will take note of which of his children follow his commandments, and a longer life is certainly one blessing God can confer, even if the world seems arrayed against that possibility. Yes. So, certainly one idea that is contained in the fifth commandment is that children should be obedient to their parents. But just as the accompanying idea of longevity is not an absolute promise, the fifth commandment does not require a son or daughter to be blindly obedient to their parents. There is an unspoken idea in the commandment that the parent has an obligation not to demand that their child does anything that would violate any of the other commandments or any of God's other principles or laws. In other words, if a father told a child to go rob a bank, the child is under no obligation to obey that instruction just because it came from the father. Robbing a bank would violate the Eighth Commandment against theft. And a daughter should not abort her unborn baby just because her parents insist that she do so. That would violate the Sixth Commandment against taking an innocent human life. Now, we could give a lot of specific examples of times that a child would actually dishonor their parents if they followed an instruction literally. But one way to make a general statement about this is that a child should honor their parents' instructions provided the instructions they are given are not immoral, illegal, or unethical. So, one of the major ideas that is contained in the Fifth Commandment is that children should be obedient to their parents. But you have said that that is not the only idea mandated by the Fifth Commandment. You've said, our compliance with the Fifth Commandment will mature as our lives and those of our parents progress. So, what do you mean by that? Well, when we are young, our parents take care of us. But there may come a time in our lives, probably will come, when we must take care of our parents. So respecting and honoring our parents means that if and when that time comes, we must be prepared to do what is necessary to take care of our parents. What you are saying is, if we are fortunate to have parents who live long enough to become elderly, at some point they are going to require assistance from their children. They may need help with tasks around the house, getting to the doctors or other appointments, driving, etc. They may also need help with managing their money or finding assistance for living conditions. 
Correct. Now, many people, they're going to be self-sufficient into their 80s, maybe even their 90s. But some parents might have health issues and need help sooner. You know, just about anyone who lives long enough in this life is going to need some kind of help. Might be a little help, might be a lot of help. Well, the first people who should step up and provide the help that people need are the kids helping their parents. And as a service to our listeners, it's a little bit off what we usually do on Anchored by Truth, we want to warn them about a particular kind of danger that often arises for too many vulnerable elderly people these days, and that's financial exploitation. Financial exploitation is a particularly dangerous form of danger that has arisen in the past few decades, and it can take various forms. Sometimes it's an unscrupulous salesman or contractor who know that many elderly people need help and don't know where to find it. And they know that oftentimes elderly people are lonely, and if they find someone who will just listen to them, they will overpay for goods and services. Sometimes it's because the elderly just don't know what prices are reasonable anymore. Sometimes it's a deliberate scam, like selling an elderly person overpriced cleaning equipment, charging way too much for simple home repairs, or just selling things the persons don't need. But there is a truly reprehensible form of financial exploitation that has become all too common in the United States because of the way we pay for long-term care, such as nursing homes. And you're thinking of the way in which some kids, some children, will deliberately impoverish their parents in order to transfer the payment burden for the long-term care the parents need from the family to the government. Yes. We don't have anywhere near the time to cover this subject in detail. But because of the U.S. federal regulations for the Medicare and Medicaid program, the federal government will pay for nursing home care for impoverished elderly patients. The intent of the program is noble, but in practice it establishes a perverse incentive. I've seen cases where the kids say to mom and dad, quote, if you transfer all your money and assets to us, then when you need to go to a nursing home, the government will pay for it. That will ensure we get your money and we can use it to help keep you more comfortable, unquote. Sadly, in many, many cases, that's not how it works out. No, it's not. Now, our purpose on Anchored by Truth is not to provide advice on families or finances. Our purpose is to demonstrate the inspiration, inerrancy, and infallibility of Scripture. But we cannot pass over the implications of the Fifth Commandment and not provide this warning. Government programs are intended to help the truly vulnerable. So any child, any set of kids who are suggesting that their parents divest themselves of their life savings, their home, their property, or anything else of value just to make sure that their parents can qualify for long-term care paid for by the government, they're not only violating the Fifth Commandment, but they're also violating the Eighth and Tenth Commandments at a minimum. The Eighth Commandment prohibits stealing. And that's what you're doing when you artificially manipulate your parents' financial condition to shift a burden from the family to the government. And the Tenth Commandment prohibits coveting the property, or anything else, of someone else, including anything that belongs to your parents or the government. Now, we're certainly not saying that in cases of genuine need and qualification that it may be necessary for loved ones to get long-term care paid for by the government. There are legitimate cases of need where that's going to be appropriate. And the purpose of those government programs, at least it's intended to be, to alleviate suffering. 
Well, in my professional career, I had a lot of experience with those programs. And frankly, I'm not sure that they always accomplish that objective of alleviating suffering. But that's not our focus for today. Our focus is to make sure that people understand that as our parents, our elders age, and they need support, the fifth commandment makes it mandatory that children do the very best that they can to provide that support. Now, not everyone can do everything, but the point of the fifth commandment is that we must do what we can. We cannot ignore the plight of our parents as they age and begin to need help, and we cannot shuffle that burden off onto others just because it becomes inconvenient to us. And as a general principle, our Christian faith means that we should be prepared to assist, as we are able, those who have been like fathers or mothers to us, even if the biological relationship isn't strictly parent-child. Aunts, uncles, certainly grandparents, but even older neighbors may have been important as we grew up, and they should not be forgotten or ignored when they need our help. I know that you spent over five years visiting one elderly man in a nursing home reading the Bible to him because he was blind, and you took him quite a few meals of the kind that he had no access to because he was poor, as well as having numerous physical disabilities. Well, I did that after someone brought his condition to my attention. And I know that we are all busy with needs and plans and wants of our own. But there's going to come a time when most of us are going to need help. You know, we used to say, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. We called that the golden rule. Well, at any rate, we want people to understand that being faithful to the fifth commandment has implications beyond just doing what your mother or your father tells you to do. And frankly, we ignore the fifth commandment at our own peril. Every stable society that has ever existed has built on a strong family structure. And this is one area where the commandment that God gave to the Exodus Hebrews actually corresponded to the society they were leaving. There are records of Egyptian philosophers admonishing their society that obedience to parents was not only right and proper, but it would be good for the children. In fact, one of their philosophers actually noted that obedience was linked to longevity. One of the Egyptian sages, Tahotep, said, and I quote, The son who accepts the words of his father will grow old in consequence of so doing. And he also said, quote, The obedient son will be happy by reason of his obedience. He will grow old. He will come to favor. Close quote. That quote from Tahotep helps us understand that even the pagan societies at the time of the Exodus connected familial strength with health and longevity. Now, a lot of modern commentators have begun to assume that the promise conveyed in the fifth commandment was not personal primarily, but national. But there are other verses in the Bible that indicate that there was at least some kind of an individual blessing in view. For instance, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3 say, quote, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth, unquote. Ephesians, of course, is in the New Testament, so it was written about 1,500 years after Moses wrote the book of Exodus. But after all that time, the Apostle Paul still saw an element of individual benefit being tied to children being obedient to their parents. And the Apostle Paul reinforced that tie to individual behavior and benefit by following those verses with verse 4, which says, Fathers, 
Do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord, unquote. Right. The Apostle Paul made it clear that the Fifth Commandment does not give license to their parents to abuse their kids or treat them in such a way that it would induce disrespect rather than respect. And it should not be necessary to say, but the Fifth Commandment goes hand in hand with the fact that God expects parents to love, guide, and provide for their children. But, and this is a big but, But even if parents fail in their obligations, children may still not disrespect their parents. Because we need to note that the promised individual blessing for respecting the parents is for the child, the children, and not for the parents. And that is peculiar to modern listeners, isn't it? We hear an admonition to honor thy father and mother and think that the instruction is for the parents' benefit. And certainly parents are partially in that view. But the benefits of godly children obeying godly parents goes mostly to the children. That's counterintuitive in our society. You know, we started out by noting that the fifth commandment is a transitional commandment. The first four commandments are about honoring God, His creation ordinances, and Him personally. The fifth commandment is a transition from a focus on God to a focus on man. Well, if you remember back to the Garden of Eden, the first thing that God did after he made man was to transition a part of God's authority to man. Sequentially, God made man after he had made everything else because God was preparing creation for the creature that God intended to make in his own image. Well, immediately after making man, God gave man some delegated authority by telling Adam to name the animals. Now, God knew that Adam would not find his perfect partner among the animals, but God let Adam find that out for himself. And once Adam had discovered the fact that his perfect partner was not among the animals, well, that's when God made Eve. Eve's creation completed creation. Now, that's something you don't hear people talk about often. God didn't stop creating until he had created Eve. It's like the old joke. God made man, but knew he could do better, so then he created woman. Right. Man and woman were both necessary for God's created economy and perfect plan. Man and woman were both necessary for God's plans for his created order. Well, God only created two people directly, but God delegated his authority to those two people. Well, all subsequent human authority has proceeded from that initial delegation. So in the fifth commandment, God ratifies to Moses and the Hebrews of the Exodus that that original delegation of authority is still in effect. Within the family, the parents possess God's delegated authority. God always promises blessings for obedience to him, so he continues that pattern in the fifth commandment. When children respect, obey, and in time, take care of their parents, God will continue to convey his blessings to those children. Even in the human realm, no one should expect to be blessed by disobeying earthly authorities. Disobey your boss and you can expect to be fired. Disobey the law and expect to have trouble. Disobey God and he has no reason to layer blessings on you. But of course, there are people who are in rebellion against God but seem to be blessed. Well, that's a subject for much longer discussion. You know, it's a mystery to us that evil can seem to prosper for a while. But as you noted, 
We should certainly not expect to be blessed by God if we are disobedient to God. I mean, some people might be, but we doggone sure better not expect that. And for anyone who says, well, I'm not interested in God's blessings, they're fine with the other fellow, the other side. Well, that's a statement that's so foolish, it betrays an ocean-sized ignorance of the world and reality. God gave us the fifth commandment, and all the commandments for that matter, so we would not know just how to enjoy this life now, but enjoy life for eternity. This life is only preparation for what comes next. And the saddest people of all are going to be those who think that this life is all that there is. Because by the time they realize that they were trifling with transcendent truths, it's going to be too late. And there really isn't anything much sadder than that. But there's no reason that anyone who listens to Anchored by Truth needs to fear for their eternal destiny. The Ten Commandments are just another form of evidence of a simple but profound truth. Salvation is available the moment we realize that the Bible is the inspired Word of God and Jesus is our Savior. This sounds like a great time to go to God in prayer. Since Mother's Day is right around the corner, today let's listen to a prayer for our mothers. A Prayer for Mothers Father of beauty and grace, your care and affection for your children never grows old or weary. And no matter how trying our struggles, we can always come home to you. Lord, I thank you that you have given me a loving family and a wonderful mother. Loving families provide us an immediate and tangible experience of the love that you have for us. I pray that you would bless and protect my mother, hold her close to you, and provide for all her needs. I pray for health and strength for her, I pray that you would surround her with friends and companions. I know that she loves being with family, and I pray that ours will always be a close one. But I also know that there are times when she needs to be with good friends who can provide her with the companionship that comes from a set of truly devoted friends. I pray that she would be a blessing to them and they to her. I pray that you would provide for her financial and material needs especially during uncertain times. Let us be able to help her as she needs our support and help us always to be attentive to the unspoken needs. Help me to know how to bring joy into her life. Help me to slow down when necessary to be with her and talk to her, reminding me that someday I will hope that others will do the same for me. Bless my mother by drawing her ever closer to you. In Christ's name, I pray and give thanks. Amen. Amen. Is the Bible important in your life? Supporting Anchored by Truth with a contribution is an easy way to put your faith into action. The opportunity to help is available at crystalseabooks.com. How wonderful would it be for Jesus to commend us because we made His Word a priority in our lives and giving. We are grateful for your support and partnership. We hope you'll be with us next time, and we hope you'll take some time to encourage friends to tune in also, or to listen to the podcast version of this show. If you'd like to hear more, try out crystalseabooks.com, where We're not perfect, but our boss is. And for those of you who need that website one more time, 
That's crystalcbooks.com. Crystal, C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-C-S-E-A, and books, B-O-O-K-S dot com. Thank you for your support. Are you hungry for truth? Most people are today. Between changing social standards, cultural chaos, and denominational deviance, confusion is sweeping our community like a tsunami. Will we be swept away? Or will we be anchored by truth? At Crystal Sea Books, our passion is the Bible. The Bible came from the mind of God. The words of God are powerful in truth and love. God will give us peace and strength as we honor His Word. At Crystal Sea Books, we believe the Bible can be a dynamic part of adventure stories, lyrical rhythms, and even humor, as well as inspire our prayers and meditations. That's why Crystal Sea Books is so pleased to offer an all-ages adventure story, Doors of Destiny, a Choice Orb Tale. Many readers have compared the adventure and engagement of Doors of Destiny to the timeless treasures of C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia. And getting a copy of Doors of Destiny couldn't be easier. Just go to crystalcbooks.com and use the link. That's C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-S-E-A-B-O-O-K-S dot com. In Doors of Destiny, the Bible's timeless wisdom is captured in an amazing adventure story that is suitable for all ages. Build your faith as you travel highways and byways that are found beyond the veil of eternity. Get your own copy of Doors of Destiny today. At Crystal Sea Books, we're not perfect, but our boss is. <laughs> 